All right, well good, well, good morning to everyone and welcome to The Well here at STSA. So glad that you guys are joining us. We are on week four of a series that you see there of the title up on the screen, which is New Year, Less Me, which is the opposite of how we usually approach New Year. It's not a new year of new me. This is a new year of less me. We're talking about the problem of selfishness and self-centeredness that exists in all of us is kind of part of our nature. We are on part four. And this week, I'd like to start off by asking you a question. I know Madonna asked you a question. Mine might not be as intellectually stimulating as the egg one a minute ago, but let me do my best right here. How many, this is not a raise your hand kind of a question, but this is a you got to be honest kind of a question. So I'm asking everyone to be honest and look inside because on the surface, the answer will quickly be no, but I'm asking you to be honest right here. How many of us, if we're honest today, are in a season of life, maybe at work, be at home, maybe relationships, whatever it may be. How many of us would say, if we're honest, we're in a season of life where we are looking ahead to the next one? And we really can't wait for this season to end and the next one to begin. I see smirks and smiles, elbows, nudges all over the place, so I think I, think I know the answer. How many of us are in a place right now where we're looking for, you know, once this period ends, once, once I get out of this position and get to that position, like once I hit that salary, once I get that, that, that rank at the office, then all of a sudden life will be good. Then everything will make sense. Then we'll be able to relax. How many of us relationally? Oh, once I get into a relationship. Oh, once he puts a ring on my finger. Oh, once we get married. Oh, once we have kids. How many of us are looking to something that isn't quite here yet and one day we'll have that fulfillment, that satisfaction? Those who are married. Once we have kids. Once we get our kids out of diapers, once we got our kids into school full time, once our kids can drive, once our kids leave the house to go away to school. But then we know when that happens, okay, after four years, they probably end up coming back and then the whole thing starts all over again to get them out of the house again. So much of our lives, if we're honest, is spent looking for the season that we're in to end and for the next thing to come along. I remember me, let me tell you how this kind of played out in my life. My first, probably my first 10 years of priesthood, my first 10 years of priesthood, I think I spent the first 10 years of my priesthood saying, oh, it's just a busy season that I'm in right now for 10 years. And I spent 10 years thinking to myself, okay, it's just a busy season now, but it's going to end. And then you know what? It's just, it's Lent and Lent is just kind of a busy season. Okay. And then Lent finishes. And then after Lent, well, it's like, well, there's so Lent was so busy. There's all those things that I didn't get done during Lent. So it kind of after Easter kind of pick up the slack of all the things that I dropped there. But once that season ends, for sure, and then comes summer, and summer's kind of chaos, and the kids are home. So summer, uh, once the summer ends, and then the school year starts, well, it's just, you know, the beginning of the school year. So, you know, just the beginning of the school year is kind of busy season. And then at the beginning of school year, then all of a sudden we got the holidays. And then after the holidays is the things that I didn't do during the holidays that I got to do after the holidays. And then Lent comes right after that again. And I spent the first 10 years of my priesthood thinking that, you know what, it's just a busy season. But I discovered that's not a busy season. Not like that's just the nature of the, 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 the work. You know, the, I discovered the myth isn't true. The myth isn't true. You know the myth. The priests only work one day a week. I discovered that's not true. They have to work more than one day a week. And I discovered that it wasn't a season that was going to come and go. I needed to make the most of the season that I, that I was in now because it may never go. It's kind of just the nature of the beast. And you know what? I can't, I'm not going to make the excuse. I'm not going to go and say, you know what? Well, I missed my kid's childhood because it was just a busy time after Lent. That's not going to sound good in front of my kid's therapist when they're in therapy at older age, okay? And it's not going to sound good in front of the king of all kings, 
the judge as I stand before him and give account of what I did with his children that were given to me. So my question to you, what is it you're waiting for to end? What season of life are you in right now that you just, you know what, it's just a busy season or it's just a frustrating season or it's just a lonely season. But you know what? The season will end and once I get past it, everything's gonna be okay. Like I said, once I finish school, once I get that job, once I get married, once we get a house, once we get a bigger house, once we downsize our house, like whatever it is, whatever it is that we're looking for or aiming through to think that that's gonna solve all of our problems. I think it's like human nature that we're always kind of looking towards the next thing. It's like the expression, the grass is always greener on the other side. Okay, that's kind of the, the, human, the way we as human beings work. We're always looking to the next thing, but here's the fear. The fear is you spend your whole life trying to get to the next thing, to get to the next thing, to get to the next thing. And what do you discover by the end? As you missed everything. It's like that donkey with the carrot tied in front of it, right? Okay, the donkey that's always chasing that carrot. That no matter how far you go, how fast you go, that carrot is always in front of you and you never actually end up catching it. And that's my fear with my life and with your life as well. Here's what we're gonna do today. Today, I'm not gonna give you any action items. Today, I don't wanna talk about things that we need to do. I wanna talk about a mindset shift. I wanna talk about being renewed, being transformed by the renewing of our mind, looking at life in a slightly different perspective, especially as we approach these different seasons of life. And what I wanna open your way of thinking to is that maybe, just maybe, the goal of life, what you should be focused on right now, what you mark as a success, Maybe the success isn't what's next. Maybe the goal isn't get to the next level. That maybe, what if, just maybe, we're thinking about it all wrong. What if the prize is in the process? What if the reward is on the route? What if the win is in the work? Like, what if we're looking at life all wrong? What if we're looking at life of when I get to something and in actuality, the reward, the prize, the win is what I do along the way. Look at it like video games, okay? When we were kids, we used to play video games all the time. Greatest video game of all time as far as I'm concerned is Super Mario Brothers, the original Super Mario Brothers. And it's Super Mario Brothers. Think about it. Or in any video game, whatever funny games they make these days that aren't as good as Super Mario Brothers. And any video game. What's the goal of the video game? As we're playing, we think the goal is to get to the final stage. But is that the goal? Are you going to sit down and the goal is to get to the final stage? Meaning if I spend an hour and I don't get to that final stage, I miss my goal? Or what's the goal just to enjoy my time while I'm playing? See, if you think the goal is just to get to the final stage, I know the competitive people are like, of course, the answer is to get to the final stage. I, I'm a competitive person too, but here's what I realized. If your only goal is to get to that final stage, you're gonna be miserable while you're playing the game. And I think it's kind of the same way in life. If your goal is to get out of whatever it is that you're in, you're missing it. The goal is actually what you're in right now and the journey along the way. So what does that look like? What that looks like, if you're in school for one more semester, one more semester, one more year in school, the win isn't what you get when you get out of school. The win is actually what you do in this final year. That's the win. It's not, it's, not, it's not when I get out, then I'll have success. No, the win is what you do in this final year. If you are in a period right now where you are single looking to get married or you are married looking to have kids or you have kids, you're looking to get rid of the kids, like whatever it may be, 
The win isn't when you reach that stage. The win, we need to redefine success. The win is what happens along the way. Here's our key thought for today. And our key thought today is actually a Bible verse. I'm going to say it so many times you're going to memorize this verse, okay? And it's a very simple verse. It's 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Repeat after me, whatever you do. No, say it like you mean it. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let's have some fun with people on the left here. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. People on the left. Ah, Let's go people on the right over here. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Middle people, show them up strong. Two sections in the middle. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay, now just the ladies. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Just joking, just joking. Whatever you do, whatever you do, you do single, you do single to the glory of God. You're married, you do married to the glory of God. You got kids in diapers, you do diapers to the glory of God. Whatever you do, you do all to the glory of God, regardless of whatever it is. Whatever state you're in, entry level, CEO, all to the glory of God. Big house, little house, no house, all to the glory of God. Sickness and in health, all to the glory of God. Whatever state you are in, whatever season you are in, I'm telling you, this one sentence is a game changer. If you can take this and understand what St. Paul is saying right here, we're going we're gonna to break it down a little bit. This is a game changer for life. Now, before I talk more about what this sentence means, you might be asking yourself, what in the world does this have to do with selfishness? We're talking about being self-centered and New Year less me. What does it have to do with selfishness? Well, I'll answer that question for you, but let, but let me tell you a story. I hate one of my least favorite events, which I hate, is graduations. No disrespect to anyone here who's graduating, okay? If you or your child is graduating, don't invite me. You got like, you're celebrating like 50th wedding anniversary. Invite me, I'd love to come with that. You're celebrating like a major milestone birthday. Okay, that's great. Celebrating your kids, got a job, finally. Hey, invite me, I'll come. Please don't invite me to your graduation because I hate graduations. My theory in life is graduations are great when they're young and they get worse as you get older. So I love kindergarten graduations. Those are the ones that I actually enjoy, sort of, okay? Because kindergarten graduation, what you're hoping for is you're probably going to get at least one kid trip and fall, and if you're really lucky, you get one kid vomiting on another kid. Okay, that's what I'm looking for in the kindergarten graduation. That's why I enjoy it. But as you go up the ranks, the graduations get worse and worse and worse. Let me tell you about my own college graduation. 1998 was the year. Graduated from college, already we had finished school, I already come back home, was living back at home with my parents, and we had to go back for the graduation like two weeks later, whatever it was. It was on a Sunday. I didn't want to miss a Sunday at church. I didn't want to go to this graduation, but my mom and my mom, okay, mom, we'll go to the graduation. I come downstairs on Sunday morning, and I'm dressed like a normal person. I'm wearing like, you know, short sleeve polo shirt, khaki pants, and sneakers, like a normal human being. And my mom, no! what mom what's the problem and she said that's what you're gonna wear that what's that's what i'm gonna wear is just fine i'm gonna put a robe on top it doesn't really matter what i wear i said the sneakers you gotta wear the shoes and you gotta wear a tie and i'm like i'm not wearing a tie to the grass like 95 degrees and it's all outdoor i'm like what i'm wearing is appropriate and she's like no 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 and i told her i said you're lucky i'm wearing this i had friends no joke okay under the robe 
that's all they had was the robe. Like there was nothing else under there. I'm like, I am wearing more than appropriate clothes for a graduation in 90 degree May in Charlottesville, Virginia. She disagreed. And she said, if that's what you're wearing, I'm not going to go. I said, that's great. Let's go to church. Cooler heads prevailed, okay, meaning my dad interceded, okay, and I did what she wanted. Children, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise, okay, is what I'll say. I honor my father and mother. A couple years later, I shouldn't say a couple years, probably more than that, a few years. By this time, I'm married. Now, I'm not fighting with my mom about a graduation. I'm fighting with my wife about a graduation. There's a, uh, her sister, okay, is graduating from, I don't know, medical school or something. Like that. I don't really know what it was, okay? And she wanted to go. So I said, more power to you. I'll see you when you get back. Because her sister's graduating in Philadelphia. And she and no, and it's a big deal. And I'm like, I'm not saying don't go. I'm just saying, I don't want to go. You go. I can't, like, send a card on my behalf. Like, it's great. I don't want to go. Again, I end up losing. I end up going. But here's what happened this night, okay? This thing was in Philadelphia. She went early, like, with her family and spent whatever. I went just the night before the graduation. I arrived in Philadelphia at about midnight because I had something I had to do and I was probably just trying to postpone, whatever. I ended up driving there. I got there at like midnight. Got there at midnight. Next morning, we were leaving at seven o'clock in the morning. I pulled into the Holiday Inn at midnight, seven o'clock in the morning. I'm checking out. I'm back in my car. What happened during those seven hours? My car got broken into. And they stole my GPS. Now, you youngest don't know what a GPS is. It's an app on your phone. But back in the day, we had to pay money for the other big ones. Yeah, with the mount, whatever it was. That thing cost me like $800. This is back in the Stone Ages where you couldn't get these things like on your phone. There was no phones or anything like that. $800 to replace this GPS. And you know the worst part was? They broke into my car. They didn't break any of the windows, but somehow they were able to unlock it and the window was rolled down. It was pouring rain all night long. So here I am, car broken into, grumpy to be here, now sitting on this wet seat. And I didn't bring a change of clothes because I was just there for one night. And here I am walking around all day with like I wet my pants, okay? So you can imagine how chipper a mood I was in that day and for the rest of that event. Graduations are not my thing. But you know the worst part of graduations? Speeches. Every graduation ceremony is the exact same speech. With all my due respect, I disagree with the speech. What's every graduation ceremony speech? Follow your heart. You can do it, like follow your passion. Like be passion, follow your passion, follow your heart. You can do it. Be all you can be. Go team. I'm a logical person. When I graduated high school, my passion was to play in the NBA. That was my passion. I was all sports, played ball all the time. I was playing ball throughout this. Like, I love to play basketball. And my passion, my dream, my desire was to play in the NBA. And I, was, I already had it all planned out. I'm going to lead the league in scoring. I'm going to win the dunk contest. I have my own shoe. Air Anthony is what I'm going to be named, okay? <laughs> I had it all figured out. I had my passion was all set. Anybody see a problem with my passion? Other than the fact that I was 5'3 going into college, okay? Anyone see a problem with my passion? Not only is it unrealistic, like put the unrealistic thing on the side. Like just put that thing on the side. What's the problem with my passion? Who is it, who is it focused on? It's 100% selfish. It's what I want. It's what I want to do. What makes me happy. This is my dream. It's 100% me, 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 me 
and it turns God into my servant. That God, this is what I want to do. And God, this is what's going to make me happy. And God, and it puts God, remember we, the, the analogy we've been using throughout the beginning, uh, from the beginning of the series, is the sun and the earth. Okay, in the beginning, they thought the sun revolved around the earth, and all, all the science was messed up. And then they said, no, 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 the sun is not revolving around the earth. The earth is revolving around the sun. The sun is the star, didn't mean, pun intended, but it, the center of attention should be the star, is not, the sun is not the earth. The center of the solar system is not the earth, it's the sun. And it's the same thing in this life. If we think that we are the center of attention, if we think we're the star, that everything revolves around, life doesn't work out. My passion and most of our passions had zero to do with the eternal purposes of God. And therefore, follow your passion. While it sounds good on the surface, underneath it, it's selfish. St. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. He says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. Look here. We are not standalone beings. We did not create ourselves. We didn't like think ourselves into existence and create our own being. And then, and then you know what? We're just, it's all about me. No, we were created by someone for some purpose. God created us. He willed us into existence and follow your passion is great, but it negates the most important part of your being, which is the one who created you and the purpose for which he created you to be on this earth. St. Paul says it slightly differently in Ephesians chapter two. He says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Did you know that you, like me, were knit by God for a purpose, created uniquely for a purpose, placed into this time, this unique period of history, in this unique location on the planet for a purpose, and as much as I want you to follow your passion, as much as I wish you would have your passion, your passion, your passion, your passion, what I think we need to do is we need to seek God-centered purpose, not self-centered passion. We need to seek God-centered purpose, not self-centered passion. In other words, the calling for me in life was higher than the NBA. God had a greater purpose. It wasn't my passion, but it's his purpose. And his purpose is what gives me life and gives me joy and ultimate satisfaction because I revolve around him, not he around me. And I say the same thing back to you now. God's purpose for your life is much greater than a position at work. Whatever, whatever, whatever arbitrary goal that you set of, when I have this position, then I'll have made it. God's purpose for your life is much greater than to get out of this season and get to whatever season that you have declared of that's what my passion is and that's what I want more than anything else and what's gonna make me happy. God's purpose for your life is greater than a status that you can put on your Facebook and say in a relationship or in engagement or a picture that you can post. God's purpose is much greater. And what we need to do is shift from what makes me happy to what has God called me to do. Here's the thing that you'll discover. You have to take my word for it. That when you make that shift, when you stop on what makes me happy and you shift to what has God called me, you will find your passion there. And I believe that you will find yourself when you are serving the purpose of God. You may be doing mundane things. 
Maybe doing things that you deem are not your passion. Maybe doing things that you say, I never care about those things, but you will discover in those things, you will find the fulfillment and satisfaction that you never found pursuing your own happiness. Example. Let's take St. Paul as an example. St. Paul. We know a lot about St. Paul, but there's some things we don't know about St. Paul. We don't know so much about his early life, okay? We know that he was, you know, a, a, a strict legalist, okay? And he pursued the law, and he was, you know, um, a, 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 a persecuting those who were Christians and those who broke the law in his eyes. But we don't know what he was passionate about. But St. Paul was a human being, and let's say as a teenager, as a young university student, whatever it may be, St. Paul, what are you passionate about? What do you think he'd say? We don't know, but we could guess. Like I said, St. Paul was big on the law. That was important for him. He knew the law. He memorized the law. He made sure everyone followed the law. So maybe he wanted to be a lawyer. Could be. Okay, and lawyer back then didn't mean what it means today, but it meant someone who explained the law. Okay, it meant someone who you, you would, would, would instruct people in the law. So maybe he wanted to be a lawyer. Maybe he wanted to be a judge. Maybe he wanted to be a member of the Sanhedrin, like the ruling body. Maybe, like that. I don't know, but maybe. We know St. Paul wrote a lot of letters. We know his writing is pretty good. And, and, and if you kind of study it from a writing perspective. Okay, he had a unique style. Maybe he wanted to be a writer. Maybe he wanted to be an author. Like, you know, top 10 ways to catch Christians. I don't know, maybe turn into a consulting. Like, I don't know, like go on a tour. I don't know what it may be. I don't know what his passion was, but I haven't guessed what his passion was not. I don't think his passion was to be beaten and thrown in prison. I don't think he ever said, that's my goal. Beaten and thrown in prison, that's where I'll find satisfaction. I don't think his passion was to get bitten by poisonous scorpions. I don't think his passion was to have the entire city in a mob riot and him at the center of it. I don't think his passion was to spend a night in the ocean as a shipwreck. I don't think he ever said to my, himself, you know what, if I can just see what life would be like one night in the ocean, then my life will be complete. But that's how he lived his life. Look what it says here in this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want you to focus on the things, the season of life that he is in right now, that he's not, he's writing about it, but the season of life that he was in and how he approaches it. This is from the Jews, five times, I received 40 stripes minus one, meaning five times he had 39 stripes, okay? Beaten with, with the, the whip, 39 times, five times, so you can do the math. Three times I was beaten with rods. So five times the whips, three times it was easier or harder, I don't know which was easier, the whips or the rods, Five times this way, three times that way. Once I was stoned, not in the fun college way, okay? Stone meaning like they threw stones at the guy and threw rocks at him and they stopped throwing rocks. You know when? When they thought he was dead, when he was no more moving, maybe his pulse had stopped, we don't know, but they stopped. They said, don't waste another rock because he's dead. Don't waste another rock on him. They left him for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I had been in the deep, meaning I spent 24 hours in the middle of that ocean one time. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold nakedness. Beside the other things will come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. St. Paul, this is a rough season of life. Everybody agreed, this is not a fun season. So St. Paul, how do you approach this season? For sure, for sure. The whole time he's thinking, when I get out of this season, when I finish this and make it to wherever I'm trying to get to, is that what he said? Another passage in Acts 24, he talks about this. And he talks about, he says, but none of these things, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy 
Here's the important part. And a ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. St. Paul, how'd you get through this rough season of life? How'd you go through with the stoning and the shipwreck and the prison and the rods? How? Were you passionate about those things? You know what he'd say? What would he say? He said, look, my goal was not self-centered passions. Like, that's not my goal. Yeah, I wanted to be a judge. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a high rank. Yeah, that's what I wanted. But you know what I want more? I want more of what God wants for me. Because it's not about me. It's about him. He's not here to serve my passion. I'm here to serve his purpose. He's the sun. I'm just a little itty-bitty star or a little earth that's going around him. He's not here for me. I'm here for him. So you know what? I had my passions. I had my desires. I wanted to get out of this season. I wanted to get to that season. But you know what? In the end, the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, the purpose that he had for me, that's number one. And then you know what you'll discover, like I said, that when you are, just, when you are following your God-centered purpose, as St. Paul did, you will find joy the way he found because purpose creates passion, not the other way around. Purpose creates passion. You focus on passion, you never find it. You focus on purpose, the passion will come. I'll give you an example. When you are focused on your purpose, you may not be doing the things that you want to do, but you will find satisfaction in the things that you may not have thought you wanted, but you'll find an, 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 a higher level of satisfaction. I'll give you an example. Me, I'm not a fan of meetings. Anyone who knows me knows I don't like to sit down. I like to stand up. Even when I eat lunch, I eat lunch standing up. Oftentimes when I do meetings, I do meetings standing up. I don't like to sit down. I like to walk around and I like, I'm, I'm very energetic. I'm kind of like that. I'm not much into meetings and sit down and how are you and committees. I don't like meetings. I like action. But as a priest, I attend a lot of meetings. And you know what? I don't hate the meetings. I love the meetings. You know why? Not because I'm passionate about meetings, but I'm passionate about the ministry. And I'm passionate about the church. So you know what? I love my church. And I love the church more than anything else on this earth. So you know what? If it takes a meeting to discuss, like let's have a meeting to discuss the vision of the church. I love that. I do that all day. Not because I love the meeting, but because the meeting is just a means to accomplish the end, which is the purpose. Let's have a meeting to, to, to brainstorm ideas for the next series. Like what we want to do in Lent or, what, or let, let, let's brainstorm better ways to do the ministry here. Like I love those meetings. Not because I love the meeting, but because the purpose behind them. Another example, confessions. Confessing in front of you right now. Confession is not my favorite thing to do in the whole wide world, meaning like receiving confession. Because again, sitting, not my thing. Sitting and listening is a very hard combination. Okay? I'm admitting, okay, I'm a husband, so like I'm being honest, okay? Sitting and listening is probably the hardest thing for me to do on this planet. And I'm telling you, you tell me, run around George Mason a couple times, I do that in a snap. You tell me, sit and listen, like that, that, that takes a lot of concentration and it, I like work up a sweat, an internal sweat, okay, when I have to do that. Confession's not my thing. Sitting and listening's not my thing. But you know what's my thing? Is people. I care about people. And I care about being the best priest. God called me to be a priest. I care about being the best priest that I can be. So you know what? If taking confession is part of being a good priest, then you know what? Let's bring the confession, man. And I'm going to sit and be the best stinking listener. And I'm going to focus. And I'm going to concentrate. And I'm going to listen my guts out. 
Not because I'm passionate about sitting and listening, but because my purpose. And when you connect your purpose, you find your passion. Some of you know what I mean. Some of you say you're serving in the church. You're volunteering here in some capacity. Some of you know exactly what I mean. You're doing something that is pretty mundane, something that you wouldn't consider very exciting. But you know what? You find fulfillment and satisfaction in it, not because of what it is, but because of the purpose that's behind it. People will come to church in the morning, on Sunday mornings, 8 o'clock in the morning, and brew, 7 o'clock in the morning, I should say, and brew hundreds and hundreds of cups of coffee for people. May not be passionate about the coffee, but they may be passionate about the church. People who are upstairs right now playing with two-year-olds and three-year-olds in the Sunday school class. People who, like over there, are those, all those signs, open up their homes for life groups. You may not be passionate about the task, but you know what? If you connect it to an eternal purpose, that I want kids to be safe in church and love church. I want people to have a place where they feel like a sense of community. I want people to be comfortable where they're in church, listening to Father Anthony. Then you know what? Then the work takes on a new meaning and the ordinary job to take on an extraordinary fulfillment and satisfaction when it is connected to an eternal and divine purpose. So we're going to stop looking for the next season of life. We're going to stop looking for that next season. We're going to enjoy the season of life that we're in. And the way we're going to do it, I told you I wasn't going to give you an action item, but I'm going to kind of give you an action item. But it's not an action. It's, much, it's more of a, a question to ask yourself. I'm going to give you one way, pra like practically, how are we going to do this? I'm going to give you one thing that you can do. You can start doing it today. And it's very easy to do. And I guarantee you, if you are faithful in doing this, you will be able to find satisfaction and fulfillment in ways you never discovered before, no matter how mundane, no matter how simple, no matter how much you don't like the season that you're in, you can find purpose in it by simply asking yourself one question. And that question is this. How can I honor God as I blank? And you fill in the blank. Usually we think, this is not what I want to do. This is not making me happy. How can I get out of this? And instead, I want you to think higher. I want you to think bigger. How can I honor God as I blank? Your entry level at the office, your lowest man on the totem pole, your dream is to move up, have that corner office, have people respect you, have a little name played on your office. That's what you want. More power to you. Be ambitious, not against it. More power to you, but that's not where you are right now. So what you're going to say to yourself, not, you're not going to say to yourself, when do I get out of this? When do I get there? You're going to say to yourself, this is where I am right now. How do I honor God in the position that I'm in? I'm going to serve with integrity. I'm going to work with integrity. I'm going to have a servant mindset. I'm going to be thankful for what I have and generous with what I have received from it. May not be the most, may not have the income that I want, the salary I want, but I'll be thankful for what I have and I will be generous. And I will be the most honest and integrity person in that office. Family life. You're in a situation with your family that you never thought you'd be in. The kids thing didn't turn out the way you thought it would turn out. A lot more work than you anticipated. Making your life crazy. It seems like every time you get some problem solved, two more pop up over here. Your marriage is suffering. It's not how it was supposed to look like. It's not how it was supposed to look like. It's not how the movies go. It's not what I imagined. And very easy for you to kind of wish it away. That God, when are you going to solve this problem? And when is it going to end? And when are my kids going to get grown up? And it's very easy to have that kind of mentality. But we're going to ask ourselves this question. How can I honor God? 
How can I honor God as I, and you're going to fill in the blank. How can I honor God as I change these diapers? How can I honor God as I'm in this situation which doesn't make me happy? How can I honor God as I'm cooking and cleaning and vacuuming? You know how you honor God? You honor God, but you do all those things. How do I honor God when I'm doing chores around the house, when I'm cooking? You honor God by, when you cook by doing it with a smile inside and outside. How do I honor God as I'm feeding the kids? You do it by having a heart of love, not a heart of bitterness towards those kids. How do I honor God as I'm cleaning up the mess in the house again? Easy. You pray for the souls of those messy people, okay, that they would repent of their messiness. But you honor God in everything that you do. Whatever you do, I don't remember my verse, whatever you do. Oh, come on. Repeat after me. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You change diapers, you change diapers to the glory of God. You cook food, you cook food to the glory of God. You're single, and you're saying, when I get married, when I get married, I'm in a season right now, and I'm lonely right now, and I can't wait for this season to end, and God, when are you going to get me out of this season? All the married people smirking right now, because married people are saying, marriage is not going to solve all your problems. And I got news for you, be honest. If you struggle with loneliness when you're single, and you think a marriage is going to solve it, I got news for you, it ain't going to solve it. It might help in some ways, but it's actually going to hurt you in other ways. But what you need to realize is that marriage is not a cure-all, fix-all. If we got problems that we can't, we can't honor God in the season that we're in right now, we need to address it and not wait for the next season to come that's going to magically solve all my problems. You can't honor God with kids in, this, in diapers. You can't honor God when kids get out of diapers. You can't honor God as an entry level. You will never honor God as a CEO level. You can't find a way to honor God in whatever state that you're in. You will never be able to honor God no matter what season of life comes your way. There's a story from church tradition. Some of you may have heard it before. It's a famous story about St. Macarius. St. Macarius was a, one of the founding fathers of monasticism in Egypt. He was like a contemporary of St. Anthony back in the 4th century. And St. Macarius, at a very young age, left home, okay, wanted to live in the desert, spent all his time in fasting and prayer. And St. Macarius, from a very, very young age, was a very holy man, very devout. They said he did like miracles and signs and wonders and things like that. He was a very spiritual man. And then the tradition has it that one day he heard a voice from heaven. Okay, maybe St. Macarius got a little bit in his head, a little bit ahead of himself, or God wanted to teach him a lesson. I don't know exactly what it was, but he heard a voice from heaven. And the voice said, Macarius, you have not yet attained perfection as these two women in the city. The voice told him, you're great, but there's these two women in the city of Alexandria. You're out in the desert. There's these two women in the city that have attained a higher level of perfection than you. St. Macarius said, I got to meet these two women. I got to find out what's their secret. And I, what are they? Are they casting out demons? Are they, are, they, are, they, are they preaching at the mountaintop? Are they like, well, like what, what is it that they're doing? Are they healing the sick? What is it these, are they, are they nuns? People who have fast even more than me? Pray even more than me? Like, what is it about these two women? He goes into the city. He asks around. He finds the two women. Of course, they're shocked that St. Macarius the Great is coming and saying, I want to learn from you. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he basically asked them their life. And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. And he pushed them. And finally, he discovered the truth about these women. These were two women who desired. Their passion was to be nuns. But they were forced to get married against their passion. They wanted to be nuns, consecrate their lives. They were forced to be married. And they were living 
with two, they had each, like the two women were not sisters, but they married two brothers. And they were living in the same house together. Okay, the two brothers with those two sisters, so like the four of them, and their children. And by the time St. Macarius found them, they had been in the same house for 15 years. Not nuns, not preachers, not evangelists, raising children. They were in the exact opposite of what their passion was. Their passion was alone in the desert. What season they found themselves in was married with husbands and kids and each other in this house, in the city. How do you think they approached it? Oh God, when will this end? Oh God, when will we get what we really wanted? Get these stinking kids out the house? This is what they say from the life of St. Macarius, okay? This is what the two women said. Said, we committed ourselves to spend our life fasting till evening with many prayers. When each of us had a son, whenever one of them cry, any one of us would carry and nurse him, even if he was not our own son. See, look, they weren't bitter towards their kids. They took care of their own kids, took care of the other one's kids. They said, you know what? We're not in the desert where we can't fast and pray all day, but we pray as much as we can. We fast as much as we can. We do our job faithfully. We are in one living arrangement. The unity in opinion is our model, and our husband's work is shepherding sheep. We are poor and only have our daily bread, and what is left over, we give it to the poor and the needy. Whoops, sorry. That's it. That's their life. Is that great? Is that, is that, is that my passion? My passion is to marry a shepherd living in the house with kids and somebody else's stinking kids? No, that's not passion. But that's purpose. And they found joy, not because they found their passion, but they found joy because they connected what they were doing to the eternal purposes of God. And they said, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, you do all to the glory of God. You're a monk to the glory of God. You're a nun to the glory of God. You raise kids to the glory of God. You're a shepherd to the glory of God. And if we can have that attitude, what we will realize is that greatness, success, the win is not in achieving something. It's not the next level when we get to. It's in the here and now on the journey along the way. St. Paul says it slightly differently in Romans 14, verse 7 and 8. He says, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And you can, you can insert your own words in there. Okay, you can say it a slightly different way, whatever season, whatever kind of applies to you. We need to reframe our life and it's not about reaching a certain level. We need to say, like St. Paul says right here, if we grad school, we grad school to the Lord. If we work, we work to the Lord. If we're entry level or if we're CEO, we do it to the Lord. We realize that the prize is not at the end of the road. The prize is in the process along the way. If you hard on your luck these days, got to work two jobs to make ends meet, and neither job is going anywhere. We work hard in those two jobs to the glory of God. Not that we're happy about our financial situation, but you know what? We do it to the glory of God. We're honest. We are hardworking. We have that servant mentality, and we realize that the win is not going to be when I reach. The win will be and what it takes for me to get through this season and how I approach it. You're struggling through a season of loneliness, struggling to find God in it. 
Don't get down. Be single. Be lonely. Be married and lonely. Be whatever it is that you are to the glory of God. And I guarantee you that if you can do what, what St. Paul is saying right here, if you live, you live to the Lord. If you die, you die to the Lord. I guarantee you, you will find a reward. You know why? Look what he says right here. Colossians 3.23. He says, whatever you do, back to that whatever, we already heard whatever you do before, right? Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. My question to you, what is it that you in life are doing half-hearted? What is it in life? What season are you approaching with a half-hearted attitude, with a resentful attitude, with a when I get out of this attitude? Our lives are not about ourselves. The goal of life is not to indulge ourselves. The goal of life is not to fulfill my five-year plan, my 10-year plan, whatever it may be. We are simply the earth that revolves around the sun. We are not the sun that everything revolves around us. What we need to do is realize that we are here for his glory, not him here for our glory. And I don't know about you and what season of life you're in. I don't know what circumstances and I don't know what situation. I don't know what that may be. But I do know this. I do know that you have a great job in front of you. You have a very important task in front of you. I know that you have been placed here by God and he has an eternal purpose from before all ages. He knew where you'd be and he's got a job for you to do. And I guarantee you that if you do your job and you do your job faithfully and you do your job heartily, that God has a reward. That's what it says right there. We will receive our reward, not from our bosses, not from our paychecks, not from our, 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 our followers online or whatever it may be. We will receive our, our reward from the one who we serve in heaven. And regardless of what people see on this earth, regardless of what season you may be on this earth, whether it's small or big, nothing, when done heartily for the glory of God, will ever be small in the eyes of God. Y'all remember our memory verse? I forgot it. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Repeat after me. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Guarantee you take this verse, you tattoo it on your forehead, okay? You plaster it in front of you. And whatever state you find yourself, whatever season, whatever task, whatever it may be, no matter how mundane, no matter how boring, no matter how meaningless, you do it for the glory of God. And I guarantee you, you will find a sense of satisfaction that you didn't realize exists. Let's stand together for a prayer.